Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm a licensed nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. Hey, this is Phil Stevens, strength coach. I run Strength Guild, as well as a bunch of other things. And uh, I'm just an all-around try-to-be-not-suck guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is Dr. Mike T. Nelson, owner of Extreme Human Performance. Uh, faculty member at the Kerrig Institute and teach online for a couple of places, and Creator of the Flex Diet Certification. Alrighty, so we've got okay. some news, Phil. Right? Yeah, I just uh, we can't go and do the show without at least mentioning that uh, Charles Paulkin passed away. So um, we just want to give a uh, shout out to you know, all his followers, his friends, his family, and things like that. Apparently, he uh, I looked on his social media; he had just finished a seminar like the day before, oh. and was talking about, "Hey, look forward to coming back next year." and uh, uh, stuff like that, but uh, he had a heart attack. Is what I'm I'm reading, and, okay. uh, and I think from what I remember, he he battled heart problems before. Yeah, uh, he's had some his, surgeries and a bunch of stuff 40s, happened. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, but just all of a sudden, I mean, that's you never know. So right, yep. yeah. I took a look at his website after I I heard the news. I didn't know what the cause of death was, you know, because mm-hmm. I mean he looked very fit, but of course, you know, you get into your mid and late fifties and you know, a lifetime in the strength world, depending on your, you know, choices, (laughs) you never know what's, what the real reason is. But for people who don't know, you guys know more about him probably than I do, but I remember he wrote for T nation a lot. You know, he shaped a lot of opinions. (laughs) He worked with a lot of like Olympic athletes and stuff like that. Canadian strength coach. Right. So Mm -hmm. uh, I know we're on a couple of Canadian podcasting networks, so we definitely have some Canadian listeners. Um, so maybe they're feeling that a little bit more than we are even, but yeah. And I'd, I'd seen him speak and met him a bunch of times. And I mean, I personally chose later not to financially support him and that's just my own personal choice, but mm-hmm. I mean, no one wants to see anything bad, you know, happen to anybody. And I mean, there's no question that he had a just massive influence on everything, strength and conditioning. I mean, I remember getting his first book, the Poliquin principles back in the, probably mid to late nineties. And I was like, Oh my God, there's something more than three by 10. Yeah. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause everything I had read was all the standard, you know, bodybuilding type stuff and all the isolation work. And, you know, here's this crazy guy talking about, you know, 10 by three and all these different ways of doing stuff. And like five by five, which later I found Bill Starr and, yeah, so that was, and I read all of his early stuff at uh, T Nation and uh, Muscle Media 2000 at the time, and yeah, it was that was like the first time I think I was really open to anything beyond sort of just the bodybuilding magazines and just even research. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he did, he brought up the whole German volume training thing for a while too, didn't he? Oh yeah, ten ten yeah. sets of ten. Yeah, oh that's horrible. Oh my god. god. <laughs> I tried doing that a few times, almost died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I might have only done that a few times in my entire life. 
you know, like stri- yeah. spread across the decades. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I remember him be- being a proponent of like, you know, traditional bodybuilding, body part splits and stuff like that. And to your point, Mike, I had a student just this week. Um, I'm not convinced, and I know this isn't going to surprise you guys, that a lot of uh, people that are graduating from exercise science programs, they even spend a lot of time on progression models, you know, and, and oh, splits and all that kind of stuff. I mean, when they set up programming, you know, they have your usual kind of testing and prescription, you know, junior level course or something. But as far as like actual programming and, you know, where do I go from that three sets of 10, you know, kind of thing, once I master it, a lot of them, I don't think they know, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's tough. That's tough. So, yeah, 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 and that's like the biggest question I even get from clients now that I have, and a lot of them are trainers. Even is well, why did you do this or why did you do that? I'm like, well, you need some type of progression model to follow because if you're not applying more overload, especially left to your own devices, it's super easy just to get caught in. I don't know. I just worked hard, and I don't know. I worked hard again tomorrow. <laughs> right now, don't get me wrong. I mean, um, the young man I'm thinking about, he's like, well, you know, there's no one right way, and you know, and it, that's true. I mean, but it's not yeah. – that's so open-ended. It's like, well, okay, but, you know, I like Phil. I'm sure when you look at people, you're like, all right, let's take it easy with you, you know, because of your age or your goals or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Maybe we just move into an upper-lower split or maybe you do a push-pull yeah. or maybe you forget yeah. the body part stuff altogether and you just do it mm-hmm. movement-based, which I'm guessing you do a lot of that. Yeah. You know, and so – um yeah, and you know what? I mean, I think a lot of them do understand the overload principle, you know, that you either add intensity or volume or duration of some kind. But, yeah, when the rubber hits the road, just not a lot of experience with that, you know. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it seemed to me like that's one of the things that Paula Quinn used to talk about, but I don't – I'm kind of trying to remember this stuff. So, okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's see. Let's – Let's go to a, a mail here. I have a piece of mail from a listener before we get into some of the science news. This is from uh, Forrest. He says, I have some questions for the show. Um, as marijuana seems to be gaining acceptance around the world, and he says it becomes legal across Canada next month. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Is that recreational, I wonder, or, or just for medical use? Uh, I don't know. I think it's both, if I'm understanding correctly. Wow. So Okay. Yeah, they're still debating a little bit. Last I heard, and from some friends I have up there, about how it's going to be regulated. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, everything looks like it'll be uh, approved there. And a rumor I heard is that CBD will be more legally approved in the U.S., hopefully within a couple months. It's still technically uh, for sale in most states, but it's always been kind of on the FDA's list of like, oh, it may go away anytime soon, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm actually a proponent. I think for treating things like anxiety and depression, you know, um, I, I actually know some people that you guys also know in the strength community who they've had some tragedies involving heavily prescribed, well, prescription, you know, mm-hmm. antidepressants oh, and yeah. stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And if they could have just, if their loved one simply was had access to you know, <laughs> smoke a little weed here and there in a, you know, a purposeful way, uh, they probably could have avoided some tragedy, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. 
uh, yeah. Uh, in fact, even Neil deGrasse Tyson on the, the reboot of the Cosmos series, he talks mm-hmm. about sort of the history of this. I guess um, mm-hmm. Robert Hooke, you know, Hooke's Law, you know, he was around during the times of Newton and Halley and all that. I mean, even he, I believe, was one of the ones, or at least people in that that cohort, you know, were starting to say, hey, you know, there's this plant <laughs> overseas yeah. and, you know, it doesn't seem to be particularly dangerous. So, I mean, anyway... Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to poo-poo it. But the, anyway, um, he, the the our listener just says, "I'm curious about your thoughts and its use during training. Does it really drop testosterone levels? Uh, I recall hearing this in the past." He says, "And then, of course, there's CBD oil, which seems to be pushed by some as a remedy for everything from back pain to sleeping disorders to general anxiety." I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for everything you do, uh, Forrest. Um, I pulled one paper, and Mike, I'm betting you know more about this than I do, but um, last year there was a paper in the Journal of Strength Conditioning Research, and it, it really attempted to answer your question. Uh, this is by Lisano and colleagues. Uh, performance and health-related characteristics of male athletes using marijuana. Um, so this is chronic use, and it's sort of an observational, right, cross-sectional. They didn't feed anybody marijuana or, you know, um, administer marijuana and then see what happens they just look at users versus non-users here's the um their results um the statistical analysis revealed no difference between the groups for age body mass bmi body fatness uh, a couple of pulmonary function tests vo2 max anaerobic power output uh, testosterone or cortisol concentrations in their blood so it didn't look like it had a big impact now that's a little contrary to what I had understood. I had earlier understood that you might end up with a more aromatase activity, you know, maybe a little more conversion of testosterone into estrogen. But again, it's always debatable how much that's going to affect your actual T levels. Um, it says, although not statistically significant, marijuana users showed a trend to fatigue to a greater percentage in absolute power output compared to non-users uh, in the Wingate, right? So the the bike sprint test. So it was a p-value of 0.08, and you stats people out there know that that's, that's still pretty likely, right? But it's not traditionally accepted as reliable info uh, as far as reliably going to suppress this, this power output. Um, it says there was also, as I'm just going to um, sum this up, results also suggest use in physically active males may not have significant f- effects on performance. Again, other than that, uh, you know, trend toward reduced power output in the bike sprint, but it does say that maybe linked to uh, elevated concentrations of C-reactive protein. So mm. that's a rea- uh, inflammatory marker, of course, and people will look at that for, you know, cardiac risk, general, all, all over inflammation. So two potential mild negatives in this one, but no effect on testosterone, it looks like, well, you know, or cortisol. Mike, do you know anything about marijuana and uh, androgens? Or yeah, there's some interesting stuff. I actually just got pinged by a magazine literally yesterday, so <laughs> that was their question that I'm in the process of doing some more research on that. Um, but there's one study uh, from Andrology 2017: uh, marijuana use in serum testosterone concentrations among U.S. males. Uh, first author is Thistle, and the short version of that is they said that there was no difference in serum uh, testosterone between users versus people who had never used before. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's an open access study. People can read it. It's kind of tricky, as you said, because you're only kind of you know looking into the past to say, okay, you people use, you people don't. <clears throat> you know what's kind of going on. What's the difference? You know, hopefully going forward, if you know becomes more legal, especially at a federal level, provide a lot of the funding, then you can use maybe randomized controlled trials and more tightly regulated controlled things like that. Um, so everything that I've seen so far, which granted is not a lot, says it probably doesn't affect it. But again, you know, it's blood type and dose and duration and all those things. So like most things, yeah, maybe it could. But the other part, too, is just measuring testosterone is that it, it's very variable in response to all sorts of stuff. We know that even training too much can drive testosterone down. Sleep's a big impactor. You've talked about Lonnie, fat, everything else. Um, so Booze, any yeah. study looking at testosterone, I always kind of take a little bit of grain of sand and, and look at, you know, what were the methods and how often did they measure it and things of that nature. I'm um, I'm uh, almost surprised they di- they didn't see some difference in, uh, like, cortisol or certain stress markers because I would think in practical application, you know, you wouldn't be doing this just, you know, multiple times a week just regularly, just recreational if you were in hard training, but for something like the relaxation side, you know, or trying to alleviate yeah. stress, I, I would think that's where uh, lifters might be interested in something like that. But. Yeah, I would I would have guessed that cortisol would have went down, but I don't know, man. The more I, I study and look at it, I did a whole huge article on uh, cannabinoids and TBI that should be out hopefully pretty soon because it's just taking me forever. But it just appears that the endocannabinoid system is massive throughout the body and is so conjoined with almost every other system mm-hmm. but i think just by different effects on that system alone you can see some pretty profound changes in physiology and maybe that doesn't affect kind of the standard markers that we would associate with stress maybe cortisol and that type of thing so yeah. i've often wondered if it's kind of running i wouldn't say independently but almost like another system that we haven't fully figured out all the things that it's involved in. And I think that's also why you have things that, that light up the system like marijuana, different cannabinoids, possibly CBD. You know, you can see such a wide variety of things that they may possibly help with. And then, of course, the downside on that, too, is that, you know, just like in fitness and everything else, people probably extend everything too far. You know, you can find ads for CBD now that it Here's everything from cancer to, you know, the mole on your back to who knows what. And those are probably an overextension of everything that it, it can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, you're back to, you know, what type of dose. Um, a lot of the manufacturers I wouldn't trust with a 10-foot pole, but there are some good manufacturers. Um, it's also incredibly expensive and risky to be manufacturing CBD for the past couple of years because it's been such a gray area. Yeah. So that generally doesn't promote the big companies to invest their time in it because it's too big of a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully that'll change. And then the last comment on that too is that from what I've looked at so far, I think uh, a mixed cannabinoid and a mixed hemp oil is probably a better place to start. So you get all the other cannabinoids in there. And then if you want to add more CBD on top of that, I think that may be beneficial. Um, but again, we have limited data on that also. Right. Phil, have you known anybody, I mean, for hunger reasons? I mean, let's face it, there aren't many appetite stimulants oh, yeah. out there that work. Yeah. But have you encountered anybody who who used either 
specifically, you know, as part of their training or just recreationally while they were training or? Yeah, well, I know quite a few, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, from, from pain relief to stress relief to sleep to yep, yep. across the board. Um, I can say I probably wouldn't be an advocate of, like, pre-training. <laughs> right? Especially for a strength workout, but yeah, I know no. guys that do it. <laughs> I, know, I know guys that do it, too, but, I mean, uh, I know professional athletes that do it. Yeah. Um, but I, I couldn't see it helping. I could see maybe a, like you were talking about, uh, post-training, okay, time to relax and, mm-hmm. you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, I, I don't know. I mean, I know plenty of people have, and uh, it doesn't seem to hinder their progress. So, yeah. Yep. I would think, yeah, if anything, what's exciting to me the most, you know, as a nutritionist is, the the potential for you know for appetite stimulation and that kind of stuff yeah. you know so because uh, yeah that's one of the hardest things we all know things like anabolic steroids part of the reason they work is they make you hungrier you know over time yeah. and you eat more and you just become a bigger person and you know so yeah it'd be interesting to see how this pans out in the next you know five or ten years yeah I mean my one warning would be um due to the recent rise in availability to it becoming legal in many places yeah. The the marijuana available now compared to the marijuana in say nineteen ninety five is a lot a lot a lot a lot different. So <laughs> yeah. if, if you last did it in ninety five and you're going to think about doing it now, start slowly. <laughs> That's what I would suggest. <laughs> okay, yeah. You know, Phil to that point I think because of my my uh, interest in coffee, you know, I think we have to be very careful saying coffee or tea or, if in this case, marijuana is one thing, right? Oh, there, you so have to really kind of educate yourself on the different types that are available and stuff like that because they're going to be different. You know, they're going to be different. Yeah. And even the terpene content, there's some new research showing that that may be one of the main things that, you know, is the difference. And then the mode of administration and... Yeah, just where you get it from. I mean, the nice part is if you've been to states like we've been to Oregon and Colorado where it's legal, um, Oregon is like super strict on everything. And you can get like the you know, COA on every strain and what it was tested for and some of the terpene content. And so the nice part is Good. there's data available in states where it's legal. You just need to kind of poke around and know what to ask for. Yeah, educate yeah. yourself. In fact, I just looked this study from Lisano and colleagues from last year. In that journal of strength conditioning research, um, Colorado, yeah, Colorado State. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we got two more here. Strength and muscle sport news. The next one is really just a heads up. It, I don't know when you've been around for a long time. Here comes a conversion talk, but you see this kind of stuff all the time. But um, this is from LabRoots.com. Uh, Brenda Kelly Kim wrote this. It says. Can this exotic fruit prevent obesity? So, of mm. course, they talk about there's, you know, in, in fact, I think she wisely says there's always this sort of superfood or spice or something that's supposed to help you burn fat or whatever. Uh, they talk about things in the past that have some evidence behind them, like green tea, uh, green coffee extracts, you know, that kind of stuff. Anyway, new research from the Amazon. Um, uh, there's a fruit called camu, C-A-M-U, if I'm produce, pr- uh, pronouncing that right. Uh, a study by scientists at Université Laval, and I'm terrible with anything even vaguely French, so our French listeners can just laugh. <laughs> um, and the uh, Quebec Heart and Lung Institute Research Center 
suggests an extract from camu camu i guess it is uh prevents obesity in mice even when fed a high fat high sugar diet uh in their rat mm. chow uh, a couple of sidebars to this is the fruit contains 20 to 30 times more vitamin C than kiwi, five times more polyphenols than blackberries. Now, that's saying something. Mm-hmm. Um, because, of course, you know, you look at the polyphenol content. That's one of the things that makes me so interested in eating berries so regularly. Lots of different health benefits. Um, basically, they gave one group of the mice the camu camu extract uh, along with their food every day. Uh, after eight weeks on the regimen, uh, and of course one group didn't get the, the real fruit, uh, but after eight weeks the team observed <laughs> that the mice who had the camu camu added to their diet had 50% less weight gain than mice who did not. Well, that's no small amount. So mm-hmm. it'd be very interesting, for example, applying something like this during a bulking phase, right? So you're going to overeat specifically. And if, it, if you're not going to get fat, you'd hope that some of those nutrients would, you know, sort of partition toward muscle instead, or at least not make you fat. The researchers sort of posited that the difference was due to an increase in uh, resting metabolic rate uh, in the mice who got the extract and also um, gut microbiome, apparently. Um, let's see. And glucose tolerance improvements. Now, see, that's the one I roll my eyes at a little because every one of these plant extracts seems to have some benefit on either insulin sensitivity or glucose tolerance. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to say that it's false. It's just I've heard it so many times over the decades. But um, blood tests also revealed the mice who got the fruit had reduced concentrations of what they called blood endotoxins that were markers of metabolic inflammation. So we might be back to something like we were just talking about with like C-reactive protein, CRP. I don't know what they're talking about there. Maybe some cytokines. Um, it says Andre Moret is a professor at uh, the Université Laval's Faculty of Medicine and the principal investigator for the study. He explained, quote, all these changes were accompanied by a reshaping of the intestinal microbiota, including a blooming of a mucinifola. <laughs> I'm so bad with these. Uh, and significant reduction in lactobacillus bacteria. So hmm. I think it's funny because we used to only look at like um, blood markers of things. And now almost it seems like so often we're also saying what happened to the gut biome, you know, a- as a potential mechanism. So, uh, yeah, camu camu fruit in the news. Uh, obviously, I don't have to tell most of our listeners this. Watch for supplement companies to start jumping on something like that. You know, they're always looking for something new. Um and I, I don't know. Based on this, I would suggest it maybe as a an adjunct to a bulking phase. So I don't know. Just Neat. It out there, it looks to be everywhere. So looks to be easily, readily available. Oh, really? Yeah, it's all over the market. So I wonder how much of that is actually legit, because like the last time there's <clears throat> several years ago, there's a certain extract that the raw material because I looked into it was literally not available. It became yeah. so popular, they just basically harvested the crap out of it. But yeah. yet, you saw people for years after that still selling it. So I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know what? I think a lot of it is the industry playing catch-up. I mean, I remember back in the, like, oh. uh, you know, 91, 92, we were doing creatine work. We had to order it from Sigma Chemical, you know, and oh, it cost yeah. a fortune. It, it, and now, of course, it's it's cheap and so pervasive because the industry tooled up to manufacture it, you know, yeah. grow it. Yeah. Uh, okay, one more before we go to break, and uh, I was remiss in explaining this at the beginning of the show. Our topic of the day is going to be how to start 
um, badly, how to badly start a gym, right? So how to fail a gym startup is going to be our topic of the day. We're going to give you some tips on how to really screw it up waste a lot of money. So <laughs> tune in for that. Um, last one. Uh, this has really been a, a theme lately, it, it feels like, in the literature. Uh, this is something I did my dissertation on, so I'm always interested in it. But uh, effect of caffeine supplementation on quadriceps performance after eccentric exercise. So they're using uh, mm. caffeine uh, to specifically to overcome that loss of muscle strength and power that you get when you're really sore, right? And so um, – Depending if you're uh, trained or untrained, in my dissertation, we actually saw about a 15% reduction in isometric strength, uh, you know, force output uh, when you were really sore. And, and we really rocked people with downhill running. Uh, but I've also done squat and bench protocols uh, with, you know, multiple sets, many reps. You're talking about like between 40 and 70 reps sometimes uh, of, of negatives, you know, and that'll really wreck you. But anyway... This is also a journal of strength conditioning research. Literally, well, it's not even October yet. So this comes out next month. So it's very new. Um, this is by Green and colleagues. It says limited research has examined caffeine's effects after basically, you know, muscle microtrauma, uh, soreness, DOMS, whatever you'd like to call that. They got eight men and uh, women. So N of 16 total. Uh, they were physically active. And that's important, right? Because if you're if you take a noob and you do a serious muscle soreness study, you know, they're going to call 911 on you. <laughs> he, he, he hurt me, you know. Um, but they were 24 years old. I just did a quick calculation. Body mass index on average was 25. Now, you might think, well, that's – for those of you who are familiar, of course, BMI in the – that's weight for height. In the low 20s is usually considered healthy, but if you're a lifter, you're probably between 25 and 30 – and the really biggest lifters start pushing, you know, 28, 29, even go over 30. And for the gem pop, that's considered, quote, unquote, obese, right? But again, um, now I thought, well, they're medium size. But then you got to remember, it's half women. So the dudes might have been kind of big here, if that makes any sense, right? Because the, the smaller yeah. body weight females would pull down the, the average. Um, one leg was assessed under uninjured and injured conditions, and they mean muscle soreness um they did 100 eccentric quadriceps contractions oh, oh my. Um, now the different ways to do this sometimes you just do four count negatives you know f focus on the lowering phase um sometimes you people will get run downhill sometimes they'll put them on a like an isokinetic device or something where they try to resist and the you know like if you're in a seated position you try to keep your leg straight and it's going to bend your leg you know what i mean so you fight it all the way down in any case that sort of lengthening contraction a hundred is higher than i i often see um anyway and they one leg was assessed under both you know the eccentric and not non-eccentric contraction conditions after six migs per kg of caffeine so that's, that's a good that, yeah. dose yeah not playing games with that mm -hmm. um not scary high unless you're a big dude uh six migs per kg would be uh frightening in somebody who weighs over 250 but in, yeah. in, in any case um and then the other leg uh under both conditions right so the one that wasn't rocked with negatives again the so the non-sore leg got both tested under placebo and caffeine it looks like anyway uh, compared with the placebo, caffeine increased peak isokinetic torque 6.8% in the uninjured leg, 
uh, and 9.4% in the quote-unquote injured leg, the sore leg. So that's like a, I don't know, 35 38% enhancement of the sore leg over the unsore leg, if you will. Um, they looked at fatigue index, a bunch of other things. Overall, though, they weren't impressed. Uh, it, the fatigue index, and fatigue index, everyone is just, you know, you, you take your peak performance and then with repeated effort, you know, you're going to fatigue. So in this case, they went down about 13.9%, it says, uh, in fatigue. And that didn't differ very much, um, you know, with the caffeine or not. Anyway, the results of this study suggest caffeine possesses a similar ergogenic effect on isokinetic torque. And I found that odd because, I mean, it is literally 38% better, you know, in the sore yeah. leg. Um, but, you know, statistically, they say similar with isokinetic torque uh, and then uh, had no effect on isometric torque. So that's like just fixed, unmoving, squeezing. Um, no effect on perfe- perception of soreness. And that surprises me a little bit, too, because caffeine is analgesic. Yeah. Uh, but, again, it, it, timing would be an issue. And then also no effect on degree of relative fatigue. So this is um, a study from Alabama, it looks like, in Texas, some researchers. So hmm. interesting stuff. They suggest it probably doesn't help any better with a sore muscle than it does with a non-sore muscle. Although, again, you know, you're talking about um, – Still better. Yeah, peak iso yeah, yeah isokinetic torque was in fact, like I said, boosted nine point four percent in the in the soreness. Yeah, and, and only six point eight in the in the non sore. So quantitatively it looks better. It just didn't pan out statistically. Yeah. That might be at a, a relatively low end too, which is very common for those studies. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get a bunch of people and have them do a bunch of stuff. <laughs> right, yeah. I love contralateral limb models though, where they test one yeah. leg versus the other, because then it, it takes genetics out of the out of the confounding mess, you know. Yeah. And you can get by with lower numbers then too. Oh, totally. Yeah. See that's spoken like a researcher, right? Recruitment yeah. recruitment benefit, I get two for one. Yep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, I thought that was interesting, right? Because a lot of people, you know, us included, are going to use caffeine and, and often sore. You know, does it help more when you're sore? And this study suggests, uh, meh. <laughs> so. All right, uh, that's all we got. We're going to go to break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to offer our best tips about how to fail a gym startup. Hey listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what, uh, there is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote-unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, There's an enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. 
You can just Google that. And uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single-digit royalty on the book, but that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. But over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. Toward this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, everybody, we're back. And like Lonnie told us in the uh, the pre-show there, we're going to talk about what is our best um, advice for badly starting up a new gym. So I'm going to lead it off with I think the number one tip would be don't find a niche. You know, make sure you just go for the same market that like all the big gyms are going for. Same exact people. Yeah. Um, don't find something you specialize in or anything like that. You go for like go right up against golds and planet fitness and just take them out. So that's a great idea. Yeah. 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 In fact, you know what? Even <sighs> find an area like open, open an area where there's lots of those. Yeah. yeah. Go right. do like McDonald's does. Your friend. Yeah. Do like McDonald's does and find out where they're going and open across the street. <laughs> so, like directly and taunt them. Taunt them. Know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, <sighs> if, if I had a tip, I think it would be, Open a large plaza front gym right from the get-go, right? Yeah. You find yourself a nice, fancy, several thousand dollars a month rent. Don't worry about having no clients, right? It, it's going to be cool and just yes. – you're. it's exciting. Let's do it. You know, let's open that, that plaza front. Um, yeah, and just spend a lot of money on equipment, you know, in that yes. gym. Right. That was going to be my number. That was almost my number one. But my number <laughs> two was that. Like you got to spend at least six figures on equipment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well done. Like that. Well done. Really, brand new. Really overextend on brand new equipment and mirrors. Um, <laughs> right. And just come out. Come out of the gates. It's real. That's what makes the gym. It's not the coaches and what you're doing inside of it that makes a gym successful. It's <laughs> right. the equipment. It's definitely yeah. the equipment. <laughs> yeah. Especially the, the highest end treadmill you can find and just yeah. line the walls with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, multiple. Yeah. Yeah, stuff like cardio. Yeah, just line yep. up the, the $20,000 treadmills. That's what you want. That's definitely yeah. what you want. Yeah. Lots of hip AB and AD adduction machines, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, don't waste your money on lots of power racks, you know. No need of those stinking racks. Yeah, or platforms no. or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I saw this treadmill once at a place, and that's the ones you need. It looked, it literally looked like a tank. 
I mean, the treads <laughs> on it were like four feet tall, and it had a power cage around it, and you could strap the person into it. Oh my! And oh wow! Run, and that's I mean, it had to be high dollar. Those are the ones you need. Yeah. Um, the more hardcore, the better. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, you know what? I think given recent market trends, uh, you definitely want to exclude women. Right, you don't want women in your gym. <laughs> yes. You know, keep them out. You know, they're they're just going to ruin the atmosphere. I think. Right, so yeah. this is this is where I'm afraid to continue with the parody because women are going <laughs> to are going to rip so my head off. This, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah, I would definitely just just go for guys. You know, that yeah. kind of stuff. What else well, you got, uh, Mike? What about you? I mean, what if we wanted to start? Uh, I don't want to pigeonhole you into online or or distance. You know, coaching and yeah. that kind of stuff because that's not a gym. But what kind of advice would you have to fail, fail an online coaching startup? Do you have anything for us? Oh, yeah. I mean, the biggest one is, I mean, just assume that it's just super easy. I mean, you don't do anything. You just send them all the same. You know, if you're training women competitors for physique, just send them the same template that's been around with, you know, 10 to 12 sets of 10 to 12 reps of just lower body stuff. They're nutrition is just you know tilapia and broccoli to thin their skin out and you send the same <laughs> program to everyone and hell it don't even change the name on it just put name and leave it blank and send it to them and then don't put an email address on there so they can't write back and bitch at you yeah you're done yeah and if they yeah. fail and bitch <laughs> if, if they fail and bitch you openly blame them Oh, of course. They're just not yeah. hardcore enough. They're not yeah. following the program. Oh, right. How dare you Publicly, me? right? Publicly yeah. blame oh, them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, you go to Instagram with that stuff. <laughs> Instagram. Look so. at this loser. <laughs> yeah, get drugged down into, yeah, into pity like squabbles and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. And don't don't maintain any kind of level of professionalism. Yeah, you get yeah. down in there and you just argue with them, you know, on forums or Instagram. I love For it. God's sakes, don't have them do any type of assessment. I mean, then no. you, you may have to write a different program, so you don't want to know any of that shit. Just oh, totally. Yeah, program. templates, right? Roll out the templates. I love what Any you were saying. template for everyone. Yep. Yeah. Like, here's your get ripped template. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're coming yeah. about what do you say, tilapia and broccoli for thin skin? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I totally. I see that all the time. Like, uh, like four years ago, I don't know how many like female competitors I had, and I only worked with a handful of them ever. Oh my God. They would, I, for a while, I literally thought, I don't know where it came from, but three of them within a two month period sent me the exact same program. Really? I'm like, you are in, this is insane. And I don't, I'm wow. not blaming them. Well done. I'm just like, oh my God, someone is doing this as a business. <laughs> that's, that's the way you do it. That's the way you do it right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about marketing tips? You know, I would, I think I would suggest you go spend, like, if you really want to open a gym and you're just dead set on making it fail, right? Because uh, that's, that's what we're handling for you here this morning. Uh, spend a ton of money on marketing. You know, avoid word of mouth. You don't need that. You don't need that kind of no. stuff. Avoid social media. You go. You work at a marketing firm, and you spend several thousand dollars out of the gate. Yes. Uh, I would suggest yeah. uh, instead Groupons. of starting small. You know, Groupons and sales every week. There it all is. All the time. It's always sales. There it is. So. Yeah. And make sure it's all brand. They only have to know your name. Don't do any direct marketing at all. Just you know, you're like the next Pepsi, Coke, Kleenex. You're trying to, you know, change the game and make sure they remember your name. Yeah. You know, I I might also add this is going to be my bias, but um, yeah, don't worry about educating yourself first. 
go get yourself a nice, you know, if you want to be the expert, right? Just, uh, you know, if you have got abs, you already win, right? So you'll just yeah. t- show pictures of your abs. You don't, don't, um, apprentice under anyone. You know, don't worry about networking and that kind of stuff. You just, you just keep showing those abs. You know, that's going to yeah. set you apart. That's going to totally set you apart from the masses because look, you've got abs, you know? Yeah. So don't spend any money on education. You know, nothing's ever changed in the last 10 years. So just don't worry about it. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Easy way now, I mean, really, is find, there's like 743 powerlifting federations. Find (laughs) find the smallest one, the newest. Find a meet and go become the new world record holder. There you go. So you can put that on your resume. You'll be the world state. You actually lifted, though. Just say you're the record holder. Don't put your lifts on there. No, don't put your lifts on there. Just put, like, world record holder in the WPRPSC federation and then you can you know you can say you're a world record state all that record holder and uh, you know elite professional powerlifter in that organization so yeah you know i have another bias too <clears throat> make sure you give very prescriptive nutrition advice right you know <laughs> don't don't worry about scope of practice i, I, I it's really ideal in this scenario, right, to give a lot of nutrition advice, do a lot of like um, go beyond functional movement screens, do soft tissue work, right? Mm-hmm. You can yeah. just oh, – yeah. you do it all. Now, you are the damn expert, so you Never. stand up and you know it all, right? Yeah. Screw referrals. You Never do it all. Out. You're the man. Uh, you don't want to ever let a client – Yeah, you never want to let a client go to somebody else. No matter what they do, I mean, if they have an abscess, you're taking care of it. (laughs) Right? Absolutely. You. Absolutely. Just use the raw end of that plate that's been sitting in the corner with a little rust on it. That's nice and sharp. That'll do the trick. (laughs) An abscess. (laughs) It's so dramatic. No, I know. And you know what? This is terrible because you know I'm trying to give the pep talk at the beginning. Like, let's be as flat and realistic as we can, and not laugh. And I hear me. You guys are making me laugh my ass off. Um, totally right. Yeah, here's me thinking about yeah nutritional problems, but abscess, yeah medical issues. Might as well just cover all of it, right? Just just yeah. handle all of it. I love it. Yeah, and make sure you have no medical training either. I mean, first aid, bah, just throw a bandaid on it; they'll be good. You know, you don't you don't need any other training to to know what you're doing. Yeah, no emergency plan or, or you know no, liability. No, no. Forget it. You're an expert, yeah, right? You're an expert. Forget yeah. liability insurance and that kind of stuff, right? Nobody's going to sue you. Like you know. You can if you're you're handling the everything from the the rehab and yeah the medical issues the nutrition I mean you know you're a fitness guru for God's sake so and you you're hell bent on opening a failed gym so there you go right forget yeah. forget liability and medical to the point of uh, make sure you do everything yourself so you have to be there training everyone you're taking out you know the abscess you're doing the marketing you're you're the only one there and it's all on you you know that's a good point. Because you're an entrepreneur, and that's, that's right. Gary said. That's a great one, Mike. Absolutely. <laughs> Not just a, an expert on, like, the health side, but you're a oh, business no. expert. You're, you're everything, man. Yeah. Yeah, you are a, you're a business yeah. expert. You you know, you can handle the, the finances. Taxes, attorneys. Ah, they're too expensive. Don't hire them. Here's, here's one that I saw work exceptionally well here recently. Don't have set hours. Go in when oh. you want to, and your clients need to conform to you gold so, gold you know, <laughs> don't have regular hours you know it's just like oh we're going in at noon today noon to two so you guys all need to come in then 
So yeah. Next week, I'm going to be here at midnight. And just randomly <laughs> announce on the day of. Yeah, yeah, like day of. Yeah. Oh, irregular short hours. Yeah, I yep. saw that happen with a coffee shop recently. Uh, definitely, they must have really wanted to fail that location. Right, because yeah. <laughs> they had some very odd hours. I'd go over there all tired. It was time for coffee, just like it might be in this case, time to lift. And the doors closed, no warning. You know, lights are off. Yeah, that's going to definitely be a huge bonus in this scenario. So, yeah, and make sure that you never clean anything. Like the older and rustier, and the you walk in and you should almost look at something and get Hep B. That's that's the place to be at. <laughs> Hep B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hygiene. Screw that. That's 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 soft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, totally. I mean, sadly, I've been in a few places like that where I'm glad I've been vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> you got on your nitrile gloves, you know, to grab the yeah. weight. <laughs> well, I think those are some good tips. Am I missing anything, you guys? Uh, if you you know, optimal tips for failing a startup. Well, you need. We did forget one important facet to a very successful failed gym. Like a giant juice bar. Oh, yeah. okay. Like six that has six people working it at all times. <laughs> yeah, staff it. <laughs> staff the hell out of it. <laughs> and, you know. Yep. So, and they, they just offer everything. You know, you can get kuma kuma fruit extract in your shake. You yeah, sp- spare no expense, so, right? Spare yeah. no expense. So, yeah. So, yeah. Make sure the smoothies are 30 to 40 bucks each. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you're, you're going to go big. man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You might as well. I mean, if, if the intent is to is to fail, if the ideal situation is to you know have this awesomely failed, you know, this awesome, awesome facility, juice bar, treadmills out the yin yang, you know, heavy um, commercial, uh, you know, marketing and and uh, advertising, you know, all this like roll out big and last for yeah. about three weeks. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I forgot one thing on the equipment though. So you're sparing no expense on your equipment, except for the barbells. Go uh, cheap. They're not going to be the used. barbells. Have to be the cheapest ones there are. Oh, that's I mean, good. They, yeah, they bend and break all the time because you don't want people actually lifting weight. You want them on your machines, and so yeah, just cheap the barbells. cheapest barbells there are. That's a good uh, one. Yeah, well, you after know, week two, you call it the Buffalo Bar, even though it wasn't originally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks it's awesome. Bad. It just looks awesome. Makes you look big. You know, makes you look strong yeah. if you've got this Boeing twenty dollar barbell <laughs> yeah. on your back. <laughs> like the one time we lifted Lonnie with the the bloated weights and the female barbells that were the thinner ones that were like flexing. Oh, was that DC? <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, Phil. Now you, we've all seen those kind of bumper type weights, but these were excessive. Yeah. I mean, they it was a forty five pound weight. They looked those those plates looked way bigger than hundred pounders. You know, and we had now, Phil, you'd laugh because you're so much stronger than we are. Right. But we had the barbells stacked literally from like the very tip, not just with the collar, from the very Mm -hmm. tip end of the bar right up to the knurling um, with these giant weights. And, you know, we're bobbing up and down. I I don't know. It might have been two and a quarter, (laughs) but it looked like we were squatting. I don't know. Eight hundred pounds for like reps, (laughs) you know. Oh, yeah, that was fun. Anyway. All right, everyone. Well, uh, that's going to be uh, our whirlwind tour, I think, of um, yeah. some fun ways to, you know, really thoroughly fail uh, that gym startup, you know, uh, when that's your goal. Uh, these tips will be invaluable, I think, if if that is, in fact, what you want to do. Like, leave yourself a good 
100000 150000 in debt, and your head's swimming like two months later wondering what happened, uh, these are all going to be solid yeah. gold for you. Yeah. yeah. And make sure you don't file it under a separate business. Run everything out of your personal address, too. <laughs> <laughs> Another fantastic yeah. tip. See, we're full yeah. of full of these gold nuggets. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. Well, that's going to be it this week, everybody. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you next week. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Thanks a lot. Hey, listeners, have you seen the store at IronRadio.org? There are three halls in the store. One for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each Hall of Iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.